Welcome to the Upsiders podcast, where we unpack what it takes to become an influencer. Not a bikini-clad, selfie-taking Instagrammer, but an influencer in the true sense of the word. Someone who's an expert in their chosen field, a leader in business, someone who's built a trusted community and inspires others to take action. My name's Victoria Jones, and I'm founder of leading influencer marketing agency, The Upsiders. Through this podcast, I want to equip you with the knowledge needed to take your own business to the next level, build your brand and fast track your entrepreneurial journey. I'll be interviewing the world's most successful business leaders, innovators and influencers. We'll delve deep into how they kickstarted their business, became an expert in their field and reveal what it takes to succeed. I feel very um, privileged today to be interviewing Lynette Main, an inspiring leader with a proven track record in Australia and internationally for leading purpose-driven businesses. I met Lynette at the launch of the latest uh, venture, B-Team, her latest venture, B-Team Australia, where she is working alongside Richard Branson, Adriana Huffington, and other global leaders with a shared mission to redefine business as a force for good. Their aim is to build a better future for business and workers and ensure business is about people and the planet as well as profit. I think this is a philosophy that everyone can apply to their own business, isn't it, Lynette? It certainly is. And I think um, having the profit as well as the people and planet is is important for for growing that business too. Yeah, look, it really is. I've been in a a situation or different situations where I've seen it work for very large companies when I was a chief executive at Lendlease. Um, that was a company that all of the things we talk about today, uh, they were doing years and years, decades before. And that's all about making, putting the employees in the centre of the organisation. When I came to Lendlease, um, oh, that was in the 90s, uh, in fact, employees owned 20% of the company, almost. And the next largest shareholder was 10%. So we had all of these amazing programs in place that are people are doing today. Um, then after that, with my own company, Workwear World, we gave the employees 25% of the profit each year so they could share it. And it was a small company compared to our two giants, um, King G and Yakka, but we more often than not beat them when we went up against them. And that, I think, was because these people were owners. But even you talked about gender diversity earlier, Um, I lead the um, co-director of the Chief Executive Women Leaders Program and we take 200 senior females executives through the program each year, both here and in Asia, and one of the things we do there is a personal audit. Of where they're at in their life? Everything about their lives and no one has ever asked anyone to do a personal audit of their whole life, right? So we give them a dozen or so categories, you know, and they talk about their home life and their relationships and their health and their clothing and their confidence and their fitness and all of that kind of stuff, right? Um, And most of them say at the end of it that's been the one thing that's really changed their life, to actually look at their whole person. Yeah, have a holistic approach Rather than just work and personal separate. Yeah, Yeah. and you think that really helps them become engaged in the company and invested in more invested in what you're doing? and uh, No question, because what it does is it makes them think about who they are, what they want, um, what their company wants, but what's going to make them happy also at home. 
So many of them, as, as a result, have told us in the end that they've actually reorganised their family around it because they realised they weren't happy doing the things they want to do. They didn't have enough time to do them. So, yes, there's been a significant impact back to the company um, as well as to them individually, I think. Yeah, that's a really clever way to do it, to mm. look at... Look at you know, the individual rather than just... Because I think, especially in the corporate world, lots of people feel just part of a system rather yes. than actually valued. Yes. And, and you know, I think our whole purpose with the B-team Australasia is to really um, let people know that uh, they need to be thinking about their employees more than just their current job and their career path. Uh, yeah. And if you do, um, then I think it lightens up um, the employees and the organisations, and I think you can just achieve amazing things. Yeah. And what would you say to people starting their own business? Because, you know, they're usually starting just one person. How can they make sure that their business is a force for good, they're looking after the people, planet, and their own profit to help grow too? Yeah. Uh, look, it is... People have asked me, because I've been, you know, a CEO in a large company... And I've had my own company and people have asked me which is harder. And there is no doubt that starting your own company is very hard. I'd say it's harder than probably being a CEO in a major company because you're doing it all. Um, so what I would say is that it's fundamental to tie your employees into your success. Uh, and you can do that many ways. And when you start... You don't necessarily have all the funds that you do later on when you start to make a nice profit. Yeah. Um, but there are different ways that you can get the employees involved. Uh, in Workwear World, every single one of our employees, and it didn't matter what they did, they were involved. They were involved in business plans. Um, they were involved in reporting to the boards. They were involved with coming up with new initiatives that would make things even more innovative, and some of them worked and some of them didn't. So I think if when you're starting um, a new company, you need to be really focused. Um, you need to be uh, careful about not taking on too much. Select something that's kind of like really um, important, something that is just going to make that point of difference and focus on that. Yeah. And absolutely get the employees tied in and get their views because often they have solutions way beyond what you could have thought of yourself. Yeah, and and give them some equity of the company as well, or share in yes. That journey. Uh, look, we tried in Australia with Workwear World. We probably came up with twenty or thirty different schemes to try and make it work in a similar way to companies do. If you can just just give shares, right? Um, but our tax system is not that inviting to be able to do that. So in the end, that's why we came up with saying we'll give them twenty five percent of the profit. Uh, and that was uh, easy, um, and it was something very tangible, right? But it also taught them. It taught them a couple of things, which is brilliant, right? And I often found that once they knew that they were getting 25% of the profit, they'd be questioning everything that you spent the money on because they knew yeah. it was going to come out of their profit, right? So that's fantastic. But it also made them have a, an enormous responsibility for understanding all segments of the company, trying to get to the bottom of it and learning it. And and you have to make sure that you you don't make them, you know, you make them feel comfortable with their input, that in fact 
they can do anything and improve. Yeah, and they feel valued. The, the company, yeah. 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 And what about um, being a force for good in business? So lots of the influencers in particular I work with, they started their blog around a passion project and now they've managed to commercialise that. Yes. Um, how important is it about being passionate about the business you're running and the subject matter you're talking about? Look, I think it's absolutely fundamental. I mean, there are because I meet a lot of very senior female executives that go through the Leaders Program, right, um, you know, some of them kind of say, oh, you know, that they talk about the fact that, you know, they're um, too emotional. They're told they're too emotional at work. You know, Women are still told that you're too emotional. You're too emotional at work, right? And I, my response is... You've got to be kidding. What's the one thing that you need in an individual that everyone wants to hire, no matter who the person is? You want to have passion in that person, and you can't have passion without emotion, right? So I think yeah. it's fantastic if someone's emotional about what they're doing and how they're doing it, right? So passion to me really gives you most of what you need um, because if you're passionate, you tend to look beyond the normal answers and solutions. Like, if that didn't work, okay, you're passionate about it, I'll try something else. And that's really what you need if you're starting your own company, to really think differently. And everyone is put off by this innovation, right? That they feel, well, I'm not innovative and I'm not creative. Well, let me tell you, innovation is just doing something different doing something different from what you do today, and anyone can do that. Right? Yeah. The more you try that, the more exciting it becomes. Yeah, and keep and keep trying it and evolving. And yeah. I mean, some of the skills, you've obviously seen lots of successful businesses, worked in them and had, yes. had one yourself as well. Yes. What skills do you think people need to develop when starting their own business? Um, I think they need a lot of courage, uh, I think they need um, to surround themselves with people who they trust, uh, who are different from them. Uh, don't bring in. We've, we see in a lot of our major companies worldwide, not only in Australia, that people tend to hire people in the same image as themselves. Yeah, I've uh, seen that too. What, why is that? Is it because we tend to like people like yeah, us? Yeah, is that we get along well. You know, someone's kind of talking the same language as you. You think, oh, yeah, you know, I can relate to that person. But when you're starting your own company, you need to get very different skills. I mean, at Lendlease, I came in, they separated, Lendlease owned MLC at the time, and they separated MLC and pulled over the companies that were corporate financial services oriented. And we were bottom of the marketplace. They wanted to get to number one, which I might say we did in three years, right? But in terms of that, we went out and we hired one person from all our different competitors that were totally different in terms of background. And I said, well, if they didn't kill each other, we'll do really well. And we did <laughs> yeah. really well. So, so hire different people. Um, make sure you manage your money very closely. Um, don't try and expand too quickly. You know, only spend money really when you're ready to expand. Um, make sure you have a very clear model so that when you talk to people about what you're doing, it's clear um, people understand it, they get excited by it, uh, and they're prepared to put their money behind it. 
So get your pitch, your your elevator pitch, essentially, Absolutely. down pat. Absolutely. I've heard you're meant to be able to describe your business to a seven-year-old, or what you do to a seven-year-old. Yes. Would you agree with that? It's Look, I do in a way. Uh, and quite frankly, I think we should be talking to our seven-year-olds about what we do and how we do to get them yeah. excited. But yes, you do. Uh, and not only do you have to be very, very clear, the one thing that I, and I think a lot of Australians don't particularly like is terminology that people use, all this... Big you know, jargon oh, words. Yes. I mean, that's just no. Especially you, in the marketing world, I hear it all the time. Exactly, don't you? And it kind of... These days, I don't know about you, but it puts you off, right? Yeah. So you're right, keep it simple. Um, but make sure you understand what their point of difference is, right, in every company that you, get inv- that you do or get involved with. Yeah, and people that do have a, a socially conscious um, business can sometimes fall down a bit on the commercial yes, side. That's true. What would you say to people, you know, keeping in mind that you do have yeah. to, as part of your message, it's about people, planet and profit? Yeah. I mean, How I think that's a very astute question, right? Because a lot of people, and in fact, the, the B team has uh, an initiative that it calls Born B. So that is entrepreneurs that start their company from the beginning with a social purpose, right? And it's one of the activities, initiatives that we're going to do probably next year sometime we'll start it. But I think it's fundamentally important that you focus on the commercial side first. So when you're setting up your business, you need to be able to set it up so that you can survive commercially as a business and then what you can do is then you start to transition more and more into the social side of things so so look at what problem you're solving for your customer yep look at what problem you're solving looking at how you are going to make money from that Um, and you know you need to be fairly definitive about how you're going to make money and sometimes you need to come up with different um you know, levels or, or different types of income that you're going to get as a result of it. So that's first and foremost. If your company is not profitable or not heading towards being profitable, it's very difficult to make it a social business. Yeah. And what mistakes have you seen people make along along your journey, along the way, or p- perhaps mistakes that you've learned from personally that you've made in the business world? Look, um, I think there are a lot of mistakes that are made and I've made probably just as many as everyone else has, right? Um, But I think you've got to be careful. As I said earlier, you do really need to focus on, on what you're doing. I see that a lot of people get distracted by a lot of things going on. By and competitors I, or...? Uh, look, look, even in... even y- Yes, but but... Even yourself, if you think about yourself in a business, doesn't matter what size of business, you know, how many of us are ruled by emails from other people that in the end are really going to have no impact whatsoever on our business, but we have this obligation, we've got to respond, right? Yeah, I'm guilty of that. Well, we all are, right? I, I do that too, right? But my my whole approach has always been that If you're going to do something, focus on one or two things, and this means whether you're in a large corporate or a small, focus on those one or two things, maximum three, that you know if you do really well, it will significantly positively influence your company. 
And what you do is you focus on those and you don't worry about all the noise around it. That's all you do. Because if you do one thing, like look at, you know, um, Elizabeth Broderick, right? She did one thing, male champions of change. And that has been the major issue now now that has gone broadly internationally. Yeah. And I've always, you know, thought that that's the best approach in no matter what business you're in. Just pick that one thing and all the three things that can really exactly. drive the change. That, that only you maybe can do, but if you do them, everyone's going to say, wow, that is fantastic, right? And if you do that, you don't have to worry about all the other crap that goes on. I'm <laughs> yeah. going to use another word, but I'll be, be good. Be frank, yeah. <laughs> um, and I really want to inspire more women in particular yeah, yeah, to yeah. start uh, yeah. businesses, and I know you're a real champion for yeah. female leaders. Yeah. Why do you think women make such great leaders in business? Well, you know, I, um, as, as you know, I'm a director of Chief Executive Women, which is an organisation that's made up uh, of Australia's top 520 uh, female executives in the country. And the charter there is Women Leaders Enabling Women Leaders, right? And it's kind of really interesting to me that um, it's true what they say, that women are more circumspect about um, their confidence in being able to achieve things, Um I found that a lot. Um, and for me, it's I would just want to encourage all of them that really push yourself. If, if an opportunity comes along that you think, oh, holy shit, this is too much for me to take on, do it. Because people that take new roles, they don't know that role. They have to grow into the role. Yeah, it's and that then, imposter syndrome, I think, women yeah, in particular do suffer from. They do, you know, and if you just encourage them that, yes, they can do it just one step at a time. I've seen mo- so many women that have come back to say, oh, my God, I would never have put my name forward, let alone thought I would have got that job, just with letting them know, go ahead and try it. Give it a try. I mean, let's face it. We'd all much prefer to have failed once and we're all going to fail lots in our lifetime as we go through it. That's okay. You have to be flexible. You have to accept that and learn from it. But you'd much prefer to fail than not try anything at all. So my message to all of them is just give it a go no matter what it is. And the other message that I think is really important is that, um, and I think this especially if you're a woman, is that... Don't be scared of taking a lateral positions. So don't be scared of taking positions at the level you're at, but to go into a totally different role so you broaden out your experience. because In another industry. In another industry, in another job within your own company, because the broader you are, the more skills you are, the more people are going to look at you more favourably to take on more senior roles. So I'd encourage people to really think outside the square in terms of the next job they take. They take, And in fact, we have some amazing senior women that come along and talk at our Chief Executive Women Leaders Program, and nearly all of them have said it's the job that they hated to do that their boss said, I want you to do this, right? You've been head of a commercial business. I want you to go in and be COO of an organisation. It said it's often that job that has really defined who they are and has got them on in the future. 
So take it even if you don't like it after a couple of years, just change back. Yeah, and push through that fear. I think that's what I notice the most when I work with women is they're scared. There's that fear of failure or not being successful. I don't know. Everyone suffers from it, don't they? They they do, actually. And the other thing that they do that I've heard comment a lot is that when they're there, they um, they say, oh, God, I'm so busy, I've got a family, or this. how can I possibly take on a more senior position? Right? I said, hold on a minute, hold on, you got it all wrong. If you take on a higher position, you leave all those things you were doing in the lower position to someone else. You take on these new challenges, so you're not taking on more, you're taking on different and higher challenges, yeah. right? So that's another thing that I think puts women off, that they think they don't have the time. But I'd encourage them do. to do it. Yeah. Are there some other role models in Australia that you look up to, you think other women can look up to? That you know, There's lots globally, but within Australia, women in business that are really... Look, I think that we have a lot of amazing women. Of these... You know, over 500 um, business leaders in chief executive women. Um, as I mentioned before, the, the charter is Women Leaders Enabling Women Leaders. And it is amazing, that group. I mean, you see these women, and they participate in the Leaders Program, they come and talk to people. Their whole purpose is to encourage women um, to get to, uh, you know, to encourage them to kind of get to that next level, you know, whatever level they want to, they want to uh, achieve. But so there are some pretty amazing women doing some amazing things out there. Yeah. And most of them that you'll ask, so look on the website, Chief Executive Women, um, select someone that you think we'd love to approach uh, and why don't you step up and, and send them an email and say, I'd love to talk to you about X, because most of them are quite willing to help you. So, yeah, that's good advice, because I speak to lots of people that want to mentor, but they're quite scared to approach yes. um, yeah. people. I yeah. think, yeah, it's, it can really help help them with their own career and their own journey if they speak to someone that's done it before. And, yeah. and you think other women are willing to help Oh, they are oh, they, coming up. They the are. We get so excited by seeing it. But what's that stat? It's something like over eighty percent, or of people, if you ask them to do something, they say yes. So yeah, you that's know, a very good little stat. Lost, I didn't know that one. Yeah, exactly. Eighty percent of people say <laughs> yes. Oh, well, it's, I think it's over eighty percent. I can't remember the stat, but it's huge. You know, in other words, yeah. people generally don't say no. Yeah, people so generally want to help. And have you seen a shift now with men supporting, obviously lots of companies are male-dominated, more men running businesses than women. Have you seen a shift with men encouraging women to start their own business or take senior leadership roles in companies as well? Look, I do think think that the time is changing. Um, And I do think now, which is fantastic, that what we've got now over the last few years is actually stats that say that um, your company is is less valuable if you don't have a diversified team. Um, and really that's in terms of as far as you ask me whether that's on the board or in the executive team. And so there are a lot of men that um, are really wanting to help and we get lots of them approaching us in terms of they're fantastic and they want to do something about it. Um, we've still got a long way to go, a really long way to go. Uh, yeah. And I think that 
Um, you know, it's tough for women because when you see a very senior woman, and if that woman doesn't necessarily work out as well as she'd hoped in a role, that people then tend to say, all women are like that, right? Because you look at the number of men that have been very successful and those that haven't been as successful. So hopefully we come to a time when people look at um, both sides with equal um, amiability. Yeah. And generally with people wanting, you've worked with global companies as well, people in Australia that want to take their business globally or an influencer that wants to get their voice on the world stage what would you say to them like which markets to target and how to test it yeah um australia we are very lucky because australia is used a lot by international companies to pilot things here because we're quite we're quite separate we're quite um and we're a very entrepreneurial um uh, country overall oh so you've really seen that that australians are the no, no, no question, right? So we're a really good market for trialling new things um, and we're excellent with it, right? Um, however, it is not easy to go overseas. Um, it is a challenge and a lot of Australian companies that have tried to hit... I mean, I worked in New York for a decade and it's yeah. my second home, right? And... Uh, I did the same thing as I did for Lend-Lease, either setting up new divisions or fixing up old ones, so I know it very well. But a lot of companies that have tried to go to the States, you know, it really is crocodile country over there. You've really got to know what you're, what you're doing. It's not easy. Because um, there's a lot more competition, what's the, the challenges? Yeah, it's different. It's yeah. just totally different. It's a, it's a different approach to business. Um, the, the people are different. You often... often see that American CEOs that come over here, um, the ones that are successful understand that we're not the same as Americans, so they have to adapt, adapt accordingly. Yeah. So there is a lot of differences, but yes, there's a lot of competition, a lot of people are playing um, in, in the race over there. Um, so you really have to come up with something that's quite unique and quite different. Look, I would be, obviously, we've got so many small companies and we've got so many wonderful entrepreneurs. I'd be tempted to, if I could, to stick with something like the, the, the tech side, if you've got innovation in terms of technology, yeah. and therefore the market doesn't matter as much. You can be more flexible about where you are. Yeah. I wouldn't hesitate to go up to Asia. I know it's tough, right, and every country is different. It's a big misperception that... Um, Asia is one country. They're all very different. But I wouldn't hesitate to go there. Um, Even Europe has been quite good with a lot of the things that you can do, but you've got to pick your mark. Yeah. We do have have different people in the country that can help others who want to export their goods. Um, And we've even had programs that help them do that. So I would encourage people that if they want to do that, to um, go on the web and find people that can help you uh, develop your business so you have that export capability. Yeah, Um, and the government has grants for that too, don't they? Exactly, they do, right? And it's really worthwhile going for them, right? Yeah. And with B-Team, going back to the B-Team, because I just wanted to end on um, that and what your aims are for that and what you hope to achieve in, is it a long-term plan, a five-year goal that you have or have you 
you and all the other global leaders, including Richard Branson and Adriana Huffington, do you all have the same vision for it? Yeah, the B Team Australasia, um, the B Team this last year talked about three major areas that it wanted to focus on. And one of them is this whole area called the 100% Human at Work Initiative. Um, and that is what we were talking about before, where you put employees at the centre of everything that you do. Yeah. Um, and the second one is about the whole climate action area. Um, the B team globally has been very much part of coming up with the Paris Accord Agreement for you know, lowering yeah. um, greenhouse gas emissions by 2050. And the third one is bankruptcy and transparency to get rid of all those private companies that we don't know anything about, right? Yeah. I explained to the B team globally that I'd focus on two areas initially, that we would focus on two areas initially. The 100% Human at Work, um, which is a the initiative that we've started, and David Gonski has come in as co-chair to That's chair great. with the fantastic to um, really take a lead on the uh, future of work study. But for us, and as you would have heard at the launch of it, we're not quite ready to talk about the, the results of it, but we're trying to, in that future of work study, we're trying to say here's 10, 10 companies that want to start preparing to do something today about um, what we're going to start doing to prepare for the major change that's coming in our society, whether that is through AI or automation or whether that's just through the change in work patterns. Um, and so what we're going to do is hopefully come up with some pretty definitive things and some actions that we can put forward and hopefully we get some dialogue going. No one's going to you know, believe everything we say. They're going to have different opinions, which is great. So yeah, we'll get all of those opinions, yeah, and, and add to it, right? Yeah. Um, and so, and then, and then currently, while we've been doing that, I've been investigating what we do in the climate change area, and there are some amazing projects in Australia, and you know, one of them, for example, is the opportunity to regenerate a town that is, you know, needs a bit of regeneration and kind of do things like Where's that town? the climate change. Well, it's a secret; I can't oh, tell okay. you yet. <laughs> But it's similar to what people are doing, like Sanjeev Gupta um, is doing with Wyala, where he bought the Wyala Steelworks, and he has regenerated Wyala, and he wants to make the steelworks much more green, right? Yeah. So we'll we'll do the same thing, um, and we'll support Sanjeev in terms of that. But to just renovate, you know, if you can regenerate a city, then you can prove to everyone that not only do you do the climate action stuff, but you also do some of the human stuff where try and get some of the unemployed youth back to work and the unemployed Indigenous people back to work. You know, so you've got all of this focus on showing people that in a model town you really can make this stuff work and hopefully, therefore, encourage others in the sustainability area. So for us, it's going to be climate and sustainability as a kind of a, a joint um, thing that we'll look at doing. But yeah. um, obviously, I look forward to coming back and having another one when we <laughs> yeah. get involved. Also a great case study. It's a, that's the story you want to tell. Absolutely. People then really believe it. Exactly. Because I think in Australia, people are a bit sceptical of what's the government doing. And, I do too. Um, yeah. And do you think the government's doing enough? For, Look, I think you know, the government can always do more, right? Yeah. Um, 
And uh, I think that if we approach it right, um, with the right vision and the right inspiration, and this is both to me, um, then I'm sure that we'll be able to get government to come on side to to a certain degree, I'd hope so. Yeah, well, that's what Richard Branson said too, didn't he? Yeah, that he business did. can be used to influence the government and we need more people with a business mindset that's true. in government. Because a lot of people rely on government to have the solutions, but really these issues, if we're talking about future of work and some of that stuff, they can't be led by government. It's got to be led by business. But then business saying, wow, look, even like for us future work, fantastic right this future of work what we're doing this is what we'd like to do now government what can you do to help us to give us some incentives to make it even better etc so we'll certainly be uh, trying to do that yeah well i look forward to hearing how it all goes likewise and just finally i've got um the final five questions that we ask everyone yes um so just whatever springs to mind okay first uh so number one biggest challenge hurdle you've overcome in your career? Um, personally, I think it's either setting up an institute of technology in Kenya, East Africa, or it's creating my own company, Workwear World, um, where we had to take on, you know, King G and Yaka, the two biggies, and, yeah. and we were successful. So yeah, I may be also getting number one in corporate financial services for Lendlease. <laughs> <laughs> Um, a daily habit that's helped you stay motivated and focused at work? Um, very much in the morning, trying to just sort out what is the one or two things I need to do today to make the day seem um, beneficial. So very focused in terms of that and not answering all the emails, right? Yeah. Only answering those I need to answer. Yeah, that's good advice. I'm <laughs> going to try that one. Yeah. And um, a mistake that you've learned from in business or you've seen other people um, make mistakes and then learn from it? Oh, gosh, look, there are lots of mistakes that I've made as well as others. Uh, but I think I get back to what I was talking about before, trying to take on too much. We try and do too much. And if you try and do too much, you, then you don't do anything really well. So just for me, um, the one bit of advice I could give I could give myself and hopefully I can give others is just say really focus on those one or two things and, and, and when you do them, do them really well. And a good habit to develop in business, a good... I know we spoke about courage and what's a really good skill to develop? Look, uh, for me, uh, your number one power base in an organisation, no matter how high or how large the organisation is, is your employee base. So for me, it's, you know, the, let the employees do all the work and uh, get really close to them. Let them be inspired um, about to be able to do things that they would have never thought they were able to do. So to me, it's spend as much time as you can with the employees, getting to know them and encouraging them that they can take things on and that you're going to be you know if some things aren't going to work that's fine we understand but just learn from it um, yeah. so get close to the employees number one two and three advice and really that is because if you have passionate committed employees they'll make sure all of the stakeholders are looked after yeah and lastly um, if you can finish the sentence an influencer is an influencer is a person 
that can truly know you and can advise you to do something that you probably never thought that you would have been capable of doing. Nicely said. Well, we'll end there. Thank you so much, Lynette, for Thank your time. Thank you very much for your time and too. It's been a, a pleasure. Yeah, it's been great chatting to you. Thank you.